0: You are now listening to the Film Frequency Podcast, hosted by your professionally unprofessional film critics, the Film Bros. What's going on, family? It's your boy, Hayes. Welcome to another episode of the Film Frequency. I am one of your hosts, CEO Hayes. And I, my brother, JB, still is not back. Um... And so there's there's a story behind it. When JB gets back, we're going to ha- have a hell of a conversation and a hell of a story uh, because my brother, it's 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 been a lot going on with him. So make sure you guys are sending out prayers and everything to my brother JB. I want to thank you guys for supporting this podcast as I've been holding it down solo for like the last month um if not more um but you know that's my brother jb uh one of the things in creating this platform is that we know we both have to keep the momentum going if one of us is down and you know unfortunately this is just his time to be uh trying to figure it out and so that that's absolutely fine there's nothing wrong with that there he will be back um like i said when he is back and we get to talk about the story Uh, You guys have forgot everything that's going on there, but I can't wait for my brother to be back. Uh, Talking about movies is not the same when you've been doing it with uh, someone who uh, you actually look out as family for so long. But, you know, one of the things with this podcast, and this is just a, a moment of transparency, is that we've had in the few or couple of years we've had this podcast, it's been hard to kind of keep momentum because, you know, when something happens with one of us, we kind of let the show go by the wayside instead of one of us picking up the ball and running with it. And I wanted to make sure that didn't happen um, this time. So that's why I've been, you know, holding it down solo, uh, doing these episodes by myself. But it is what it is, man. At the end of the day, when you create a brand and, you know, anyone who else is another podcast or anything, when you create a brand and that brand means something to you, you have to keep the brand going. And so that means that in whatever way possible, you know, um, I could have brought on other hosts, guest co-hosts, but you know it's this podcast is very much a brainchild of me and jb and so while i can't say that while he's out we maybe i won't have another guest or something like that yeah but you know i i, I like to try to do it by myself when i can um uh, just to keep the same flavor and vibe of the podcast going but if anyone's listening to this you're another podcast or you're interested in talking about film or whatever um and you're interested in hopping in and maybe joining in as a as a guest feel free uh reach out to us you know where that email is but enough of that we are going to go ahead and get into the news uh, coming out the film industry we'll get right into that so we got a couple of things in the news for this week first up Shang-Chi which released this week which a review for Shang-Chi will be dropping in just a couple of days after this review so we can get caught up fully on films and we'll be kind of up to date with all the latest movies but Shang-Chi killing expectations coming out of the three-day weekend it's it has a 71 million dollar box office coming out the three-day weekend come on now give it up to shang chi give it up to marvel again i've seen the film and it's fucking amazing let me just say the shang chi i think is a great if not the best debut movie solo movie for any character in my opinion um the fight scenes were choreography was amazing the story was great it had a little bit of law there in in the second act but overall i really think that the movie was good i'll be having a full review on that here shortly so be on the lookout for that in the upcoming days but nonetheless let's just stay focused right here right 71 million dollars in a pandemic uh era still um and you know Delta is still out there, COVID-22, so uh, it's huge, it's huge, I don't want that to go missed on how important that number is for that movie, and we'll see how the legs are going into the second week, but I fully expect Shang-Chi to take over as the highest grossing movie in the pandemic era within the next two or three weeks, so be on the lookout for that. Let's move on, staying in the Marvel uh, family, we do have some news that the Russo brothers are having some difficulty nailing down their contract with Marvel to direct another film because of the Scarlett Johansson things that are going on and working out numbers and how it's going to go in the streaming landscape. This will probably be one of the most prominent or if not, no, because Christopher Nolan, who's probably done with WB because of uh, Warner brothers, because of um, the streaming things and stuff like that. But nonetheless, this is one of the biggest pieces of news is the fact that directors of this caliber cannot work out a deal or settle on a number when it comes to the streaming thing. And don't be surprised if you see more than that. While we've seen a lot of directors that we didn't think, such as like Scorsese, uh, have movies and even Spielberg having movies coming straight to streaming uh, platforms. Don't be surprised if you hear more of this going forward. Now, I don't want to speculate too much on it. I am not a guru on this type of thing. But what I will say is that this streaming thing, even with the pandemic, is here to stay in some shape, form or fashion, whether it's just the the slower exclusive windows to theaters and then movies go to streaming a little bit faster where the day and date releases for some studios become bigger and more prominent things going forward even as we come out of this pandemic hopefully soon don't be surprised at all if we hear more things like this and overall you know it's it's in the report that i read or the article it was said that they're having trouble with marvel i think it's more of a disney thing even if you look at the, like the lawsuit with Scarlett Johansson. It was a Disney thing. She made sure not to mention Marvel. Kevin Feige being upset with Disney. So even though it's being reported that they're having trouble nailing down a contract with Marvel, I believe personally that it's more on the Disney side of things while they're having trouble nailing down that contract or nailing down those numbers and we'll see how disney you know responds to this not not as far as like another release or anything like that but responds as far as what contract they work out with their directors going forward could be uh could be a big shift a big shift and then um so we'll we'll see with that last bit of marvel news for this news segment for today the spider-man no way home trailer i know we it's been a while since it's been released i haven't really got a chance to talk about it like i wanted to By golly, does this look amazing. Now, it has been since, you know, there's some speculation that Charlie Cox's daredevil character appeared in the trailer that we saw his forearms it's been proven that it's not not only by charlie cox saying those aren't his forearms but also the imax version of the trailer came out and with that larger aspect ratio we were able to see a little bit of that person's face is clearly not charlie cox but charlie cox did not say that he was not in the film at all he just said that that was not his forearms this movie is shaping up to be a really big movie for the marvel cinematic universe going forward even though spider-man i think is only contractually going to be in two more uh, team-up films going forward on the Marvel side before this deal with Sony ends. Looking at what this does for the Sony universe, with the multiverse coming in, with Doctor Strange and his powers coming in, with, you know, it bringing in characters from the Sony universe, even if those characters don't stick around, you know, it opens the door to maybe more Fox characters coming in. There's a lot, I think, is going... And I don't expect the multiverse thing to really... And I I think what's happening here, right? Is I think people are combining the multiverse with the multiple timelines. And I think Kang is going to be a prominent part of the the, um, the Marvel Universe going forward. I don't know if he's going to be the overall big bad. But I think this multiverse thing may really culminate in the Doctor Strange film as far as the multiverse of madness. But then we have the other timeline things. And that's where things get a little bit weird. You have multiple timelines. You have multiple universes. We'll see. That's just my speculation off the top of my head. We won't really know much until we get Spider-Man and see how they do this multiverse thing and, and what it really is. We've got a little bit of it in Loki. But like I said, that's with the timeline thing. And I think that these things could be slightly different, which could make it more confusing. But we'll see. Now, some of the things that are coming out of this is that, is this more or le- make it more or less likely for Sony to re-up with Marvel? I really think that with them bringing in older Sony characters from up past Spider-Man movies, I really do think that Sony, the, the, the percentage that Sony may not renew this contract with Marvel is getting higher and higher by the day. And I could be completely wrong with that. We could, just like we got the last deal got renewed or they came up with a new deal at the 11th hour it could very well happen in this one too but i just i'm just getting that feeling and that inkling that maybe this multiverse thing is going to end um with dr strange in the in the multiverse of madness but we'll see like i said i could be completely wrong i don't want to act like i'm completely right with that um but you know so that's it with that Uh, next bit of news and the last bit of news this Dune movie that's releasing at least the early reviews which early reviews are typically very very positive but they're saying that this is an instant classic a classic and you know the movie looks amazing Um, the director uh, Dilly Villy New is I believe how you pronounce it is a visionary director his blade runner sequel is an amazing movie and i know it didn't do great numbers in the box office i I honestly think that film if had they remade the first blade runner and then went into the sequel and then gave Denny kind of a a two or three film art to kind of fill out his story i think would have done a lot better but you know what it could have should have this doom movie could be him getting his franchise and i hope that it is it looks beautiful the review is coming out the cast is fucking amazing and one of the things that in these early reviews and impressions is that the cast all shows up. That's not surprising at all for me, looking at looking at the preview that we got so far and just looking at some of the the cast that's here. You expect high caliber acting from the crew that they were able to put together here. So, uh, let me know if you guys are excited about the Doom movie. If you think it's going to be bad, if you think it's going to be good. Overall, for me, I I'm expecting this. Like I I believe these early reviews that it very well maybe maybe a classic sci-fi movie so that's it on that one that's it for the news segment we're gonna go ahead we're gonna play a trailer for candy man we're gonna come on the other side of that with a review of candy man 2021 i'll see you guys right after this this is where it all began the story of candy man local character he walk around handing out candy to the neighborhood kids one day a couple of kids get razor in their candy Police come around. That's when I saw the true face of fear. Get on your knees. Hands, hands, hands. They beat him, tortured him, killed him. Right there on the spot. But a couple weeks later, more razor blades and more candy. He been innocent. So he's real? Candyman ain't a he. Candyman's the whole damn hive. If you're out here looking for Candyman. ask me stay away i feel really connected to this story go on right here in this neighborhood the legend started Uh uh-huh and the legend is if we say his name five times while looking in the mirror we could summon him summon the candy man hell no Candyman, Anthony, no Candyman, Stop. I don't want to get creeped out in my new apartment before bed. Candyman. Black people don't need to be summoning no. I dare you? Don't say that. Say his name Candyman, Candyman. you better not do that last one. Candyman. Candyman, you want to be a part of the story, right? No Say all right and here we are reviewing Candyman, and so i'm going to do a non-spoiler section of this film before i get into just talking about the spoilers overall and so what i want to say about this film to start off is a it is a beautifully shot movie i feel like they change a lot of the lore of Candyman of what was said in the original but it worked for the most part of this movie for the for the the long the longest part of the runtime this movie works and everything that they're trying to execute with bringing and introducing candy man to a new generation with you know telling the story of of you know wrongly accused and handled black men by the police and the the key thing here is that they do so well in my opinion with this film is that they put you in the mind of the character the main character played by yaya um and his name is anthony um they do a really good job at showing him from his point of getting um aware of the legend of candy man to his interest growing and him trying to use it with his work and then at one point you know you know not heavy spoilers but his 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 work kind of gets critiqued or whatever and then like this whole thing and like it, it it's done very very well i also think another thing that they do is that They do a great job at these characters who, a lot in this movie, there's really one character who is aware of who Candyman is. Uh, Well, two, because then again, uh, the main character, Tony, his girlfriend's brother is also kind of aware of the legend beforehand. But most of these characters in here aren't really familiar with the legend of Candyman. But the thing that they do great is that they still show that even with not being aware that it makes them afraid or they're they're hesitant to even say the name in the mirror, which, you know, goes with a lot of urban legends. They do a great job at just continuing that thing of, of Candyman being this urban legend. Uh, they really make it more of a straightforward type villain than what it was in the previous movies. And I'll talk a little bit about that more in the spoiler part of this conversation. But another thing that I think this movie does great is the kills. Now, there's a trope that they use for some of the kills that I feel like could have gotten left uh after the first couple of ones but uh i think the kills are very interesting they're very i wouldn't say necessarily invented they're not like doing anything that's crazy like brand new or unseen before or anything like that but i think that the kills are very effective as well in this movie and we just like the original Candyman, we don't get a lot of kills um we get more than the original but you know like i said they're very inventive uh whereas you know the Candyman in the original those kills are kind of straightforward they weren't like these really creative kills this one makes it a little bit more creative I also like how they tell the story of the original and they kind of make you think that maybe they're retconning a little bit because they tell the story of, you know, Helen and the fact that she cut the head off a dog and she was doing, uh, snow angels in the blood. But again, to go off the thing of urban, of urban legend, this is spoilers for the original, not for this one, but you know, we find out that no, the way that we saw it happen in the original movie is exactly how it happened in this one. But the story of Helen and her and her, what happened to her, the way that it was told was basically made her the villain in the movie, rather than the actual Candyman. And so it it it's it was just, it's a lot of great ideas done in this movie. Where I think that it it fell some at is that not oh, those ideas don't always come together very well. I don't think. And like I said, in my opinion, they don't always come together very well. And a lot of times, like, you know, in certain parts of this movie, something just it it just feels a little bit off from what was told before it um, or what was shown before it. But overall, I think that this movie was very effective in 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 the story that it was trying to tell in, you know, highlighting the fact of gentrification. And, you know, they have a very good point of like, not only do other races benefit off uh, or white people benefit off, benefit off gentrification, but artists b- benefit off of it. They take advantage of the lower cost of living. They move in. They loot. They use the stories of those areas to tell their art or to create their art and everything like that. Another thing with a great perception and perspective given to this film and the characters in it. So overall, I think, like like I said, this movie does a great job in most of what it's trying to tell you. So now let's I I, I can't really get what I want to get into it too much without the spoiler section of this. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to get into our spoiler section. Uh, Repeat, we're going to head into spoilers. So if you do not want to be spoiled for this movie uh, right now, then go ahead and turn off this podcast. Come back to this this mark. But we're going to get into spoilers now. One of the biggest issues that I have with this film is some of the ways that it changes the Candyman lore. For example, they one of the the biggest changes, the biggest change probably to the Candyman character in this is that they are now depicting Candyman as basically this vengeful spirit that takes over and inhabits the bodies and the, gets the, and gains the appearance of wrongly killed black men. Now that is completely different than what was told in the original. Yes, Daniel Robitaille was wrongly killed, but it was him. It was his physical appearance that you saw and i feel like a lot of they, they didn't want to use tony todd because of how different he looks from back then and everything which is understandable but they should have doubled they sh, if they and the, the thing that i that i said that they that i feel like they could have gotten away with it is that Candyman's face is shown so seldom in this movie that they when they the few times that they do see it they could have used a cgi version of tony todd's face if they wanted to keep it the original candy man to me, making the story of, of Candyman be that it takes the appearance of these different people. So, for example, the most of the time in this movie, we are seeing the version of Candyman that is a, a character by the name of Sherman, who was another guy with a hook who kind of had was dressed like Candyman, but was wrongly killed because they they, ex, they ex suspected him of passing out candy with razor blades. What it ended up after he was murdered, they still find more candy uh, with razor blades. But he is in... Um, He's hiding after he's wrongly, you know, being looked at or whatever, and he's killed by the police. They swarm him, they beat him to death, and now the Candyman uh, has his appearance for the majority of this movie. Now, where that gives a couple of issues at, especially for me, is that that happened in the 19, I believe that was supposed to be the 1980s where Sherman was wrongly killed and became the new Candyman. The original Candyman movie happens in 1992, and he still had the appearance of Tony Todd. So now making the Candyman character this vengeful, spirit kind of superhero avenger of black people type character is not really what Candyman was and another thing that they take away from the Candyman here is his personality when i said earlier that they make him more of a straightforward horror villain it's because he doesn't talk in this movie he gives sinister smile to a kid at one point in time but he really just shows up kills and gets the fuck out Candyman had such a personality in the original one. He was trying to seduce Helen. What was the thing that he kept saying? Be my victim. He could have killed her at any time, but he wanted to seduce her. He wanted her to willingly come over and be his victim and help his legend go to go. We get that hero shot of Candyman in the original, of him coming in the garage. We get nothing like that with this Candyman because they want to make him more of a straightforward character. And I think that, in my opinion, you know, we always like to fantasy book or or, or, or couch quarterback. Movies like this is that they didn't really need to do that. Like I said, for the reasons that I laid out, Sherman's face is not really shown through much of this movie. They could have kept it the Tony Todd character. Maybe that for Tony Todd to come back in full power, he needed to take over the body of Anthony. There's so much that they could have done and kept the story basically the same. The gentrification storyline could have stayed the same. But by making it now this character that has taken over other, and you know it's not even just him and Sherman. We find out that Sherman is one of many Candy Men, as well as the original Dan, uh, Daniel Daniel Robitaille. Um, and that just it creates some logic problems for me in this. So now is like Candy Man supposed to be this, like I said, this vengeful spirit? They also change some of the lore in which it, it people can finish. You saying Candyman. So before, you know, you had to say Candyman five times. We see two times in this movie where the char- characters don't say Candyman for the fifth time. It's said by somebody else, but Candyman still comes. And also, Candyman doesn't kill the people who say his name. Uh, well, outside of, so Anthony and Anthony's girlfriend say, say, both say his name. They don't get murdered. Candyman doesn't come after them at all. As a matter of fact, and this is something that I've, I've seen this movie twice now. Candyman does not kill a single black person in this movie. So again, they're doubling down on that Avenger of black people type thing. Um, and that brings some, like I said, some issues with the original to me. And I know some people are saying that, you know, they're fine with it. And I I, I even said in my initial like tweet after seeing this movie, I think a sequel to this film could, could be even better than this. I hope that they continue this. It's just that right now with this movie and the fact that they connected it so heavily to their original Um, It just really feels like they wanted to give us that fan service moment of Tony Todd appearing. And that's really the only reason he's in. We only get his voice in a brief appearance of him for seconds. And that's why they kind of locked it in with the first one. They really didn't need to do that. They could have recast him. I know that would have sucked. Or like I said, in what my opinion on it could have been is that they could have just not shown his face and it could have been supposed to be the Tony Todd Candyman. And also like they they introduced this trope of Candyman can only be seen through reflection. So even if you say his name while he's killing you, you don't see him. That was not done in the original at all. Helen was able to see him not just through a reflection. I don't think in that film anybody else was able to see Candyman except the people that said his name. And Helen, I believe that was the case, but making it to where even the people he's attacking can't see him is, it just, it, it you know, it made for some interesting kills. We get a kill with this uh, curator in her office after having uh, this conversation with Anthony and he leaves Or in her apartment and we kind of zoom out uh, from the apartment building and see her just lift up and like dragged across uh, the mirrors. We're like seeing like all the, into all these people's apartments, really interesting kill. Like I said, the kills are really good. Um, but you know, that, that was something that also stuck out to me, but the biggest issue that I have with this film is the ending. It really feels like there were like 15 minutes cut out of this film to rush it to maybe it was a studio mandated time limit. Um, maybe they didn't feel like something in that third act didn't work correctly. So it was better to remove it and kind of just jump into it. But it really feels like this film just gets to a conclusion that it was going to get to, and it kind of cuts out. It's left as like a weird edit because we see the main character in Anthony, and he had got stung by this bee. And we solely see like this body horror element introduced, which is really cool as well, of his body transforming and, and changing. And, you know, by the end of the film, it's like taking over the whole side of his body. He goes to Cabrini Green, and then we just stop seeing him. Next thing we know, he pops up. He's with this character named Burke, who owned this uh, laundromat, who was giving Anthony information on the Candyman um, myth or whatever. And Anthony is like snapped. He wants to bring Candyman back. He understands that Anthony was the child that Candyman kidnapped, which is another plot point. Vanessa Williams comes back in this movie. And then we just see Tony sitting there. Getting his arm cut off and he's just sitting there allowing it to happen now a tear does come down his eye to show that he is feeling it but it just really felt it was jarring in the movie in my opinion to just rush to that to that conclusion it really feels like they wanted to get to the ending they wanted to get to the point of anthony coming becoming Candyman, but they cut out a lot of what could have made this movie in this runtime feel a little bit better and there's a fairly short movie; it's like right at 90 minutes adding another 15 to 20 minutes really wouldn't have made this movie too long, in my opinion, especially if it helps get you to your ultimate ending. And that's where this movie fell so much for me. Um, you know, we see Anthony become the candyman, the new candyman. He has a hook now in his hand and he's killing the cops. But then, as I said, his face transforms into the original, which again is a plot hole, in my opinion, because we've been seeing another character named Sherman who had been operating as the candyman, and he never became or looked or took over the appearance of the Tony Todd, Daniel Robotide Candyman. So it's just some logic holes and some things that felt rushed in an overall film that is written, directed, and is a solid, 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 good movie. I wouldn't call it great. I hope that they continue this franchise. I would love to see Anthony and Yaya uh portray the new Candyman. And hopefully that's the route that they go with this. And I really think that you know, if they get back into showing some personality and having Candyman talk and interact and toy with his victims. You know, it could be great. Or if they do want to just make Candyman this Avenger, this Slasher, this more straightforward horror villain, it can work in in that sense, too. But they have to commit now. They've now set up their own lore. Now they can build upon it with the second film and hopefully kind of distance themselves more from the original as it gets better and goes. this movie is great first number one film in the country uh directed by a black woman so shout out to that it's breaking ground there but overall i just feel like this is a really good movie with a rushed ending that left it uh, feeling a little bit hollow in my opinion in my view i've seen the movie two times um but that's it that's my review of candy man let me know how you guys feel about it if you agree or disagree with my assessment of the ending of the film you can follow us collectively at the film bros pod you can send no, at the, at the film bros. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, the film frequency pod at gmail.com. If you want to follow me solo, you can do so at CEO Hayes, CEO C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. This has been another episode of The Film Frequency. Thank you so much for supporting me, film family. I'll see you guys in just a couple of days with my review of Shang-Chi. Peace. This has been a presentation of The Break Media.